welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by the superb Esther Stanhope. Now, Esther is an international speaker, an impact guru, and former live BBC producer. She is dedicated to helping you become the best and most confident version of yourself. She's a charismatic leader that you want to be and really helps you enable um, best business practice and really raise the bar when it comes to confidence. If you and your team are needing more oomph, more visibility and or the ability to be able to speak out and really raise your profile when it comes to conferences or in the boardroom or at town hall style meetings or even networking events, Esther is the one we need to be coming to for help. And in fact, I'm really looking forward to meeting uh, Esther and learning more about it today because I think I could do with a couple of tips myself. Esther, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. This is just so great. I absolutely love your show and I love what you talk about. Thank you so much. What what a welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Esther, it's just brilliant to have you here. And I wonder, for those that don't know you, and I'm sure many do as well, because ultimately you've been in the BBC, produced lots and lots of shows, been behind the camera, you're now in front of the camera, you've been in boardrooms of FTSE and Fortune 500 companies. How did that happen? Talk to us a little bit about the journey to now. Well, I was 20 years in showbiz, so I started out as an entertainment reporter. And I suppose my fascination with leadership and charisma and performance started at a very, very young age, actually, at the age of probably eight or nine. I was really good friends with Rachel Kinnock, Neil Kinnock's daughter. Neil Kinnock at the time was the leader of the Labour Party. Well, let me tell you, spending time with politicians put me off politics for life. <laughs> and I have worked with politicians since. But the thing that really was I found fascinating as a child was watching watching world leaders and watching the somebody I knew so Neil Kinnock I'd watch him on television and I think is he really like that in real life I'm not sure if it translates and I remember him talking about Margaret Thatcher I mean imagine seeing somebody who's uh, you know the, the leader of the opposition talking about Margaret Thatcher while she's there on television being interviewed by Robin Day this is this is in the the um, 1980s and I do remember him losing his voice at, at, at conferences and things so I so I've always been interested in voice and performance and I've always been interested in drama and I always wanted to work for the BBC as a child but as an adult I've always been the person helping the talent if you like be brilliant what is it that gives you charisma can you learn it? Do you want to know if you can? Yes, you can. <laughs> and then, and then the, the moment where I decided to, to leave the BBC and, and rather than help talent, even though I have interviewed, you know, in my background, I've interviewed a lot of people like Lenny Kravitz and George Clooney and Madonna and the Spice Girls. So if you want to talk about showbiz personalities, I've got loads of those stories. But the, what's the most important thing about that? How do I translate that into business? Well, in business, people need to be able to convince an audience. 
to persuade people, to tell stories. And what I found was is that all the skills that I've, I've learned in all my years working in, in TV and radio, all of the fundamental, quite simple communication skills are absolutely 100% relevant in the boardroom, in meetings, and now in the virtual world, working with a camera, being on Teams, working on Zoom, being able to network in a virtual world, being able to express yourself and turn up as your personal brand <laughs> and, and understand non-verbals, you know, non-verbal cues. But my passion really is to help people to be a success and have the confidence to speak well in all of those different situations that you mentioned earlier, you know, in a pitch, in the boardroom, on a podium. And right now, um, it's March as we record as we're recording this, you know, it's women in leadership. Quite often, as soon as I started helping people in business, within a week, one of my clients, it was a major law firm, one of my clients at a major law firm said to me, Esther, you know, I love what you're doing. It's all about confidence and giving people the confidence to speak. We are having women dropping out just before partner level. There's something about in so in, in lots of professions, but in law in particular, it was this we're just not getting women stepping up to the partner level. It's, it's that senior management level. And I mean, you know, the statistics show, I think in the world, it's only 7% of boards, 7% of boards is female. Um, a lot of people are striving to have a 30% women in boardrooms and, and that this is your area now. So very quickly, as soon as I started helping people to speak like talent like a pro it's very soon became quite a focused on women getting the confidence to to speak up and put them be, be more visible does that sound familiar to you it absolutely does and Esther thank you so much for sharing a snippet of your story and how you came to be where you are today um, and I'm already when you were talking I was thinking of oh I'd love to know so much more about all of these stories and <laughs> those celebs that you've had the opportunities to work with and you know I'm sure uh, show business is actually very a lot more similar than people may give it credit for when it comes to being in this boardroom environment and ultimately as you say giving women the voice the confidence the gravitas often over and above their male peers or non-binary peers to make sure that they really do have that confidence to stand out from the crowd. Now I was having a look at some of the amazing things you've been doing, Esther, and looking at the uh, the influencing skills that you have gleaned working some, for some of uh, the UK's and the world's largest organisations, blue chip organisations. How does one translate their confidence or their talent into being able to have presence that others will really pay attention to? Well, I've picked up a couple of formulas as a producer. When I've been working with, like even with Boris Johnson used to come in on a, on a weekly, monthly basis when he was mayor of London, for example. And even I could give him some advice. <laughs> 
not that he would listen. Oh, what I think I... you'd give him a right run for his money in a good way, Asta. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, you know, he'd come in and maybe he'd come in on a bike, you know, and knock over a camera or something. And it was it was always very, very loud when Boris came in. I remember when David Cameron came in once, it was completely silent. It was so funny, like, because your <laughs> your presence does make, a, have a, an you influence the room when you walk in it. And, and it's about not underestimating how much influence and presence you have naturally, but it's about being able to then maximize it and not just be in denial that when you walk in a room or when you put your camera on in a Zoom, <laughs> when you own the Zoom, you know, don't underestimate the impact that you have. So, for example, when Boris used to come in, he's occasionally he might go, oh, I've got any tips, got any tips. And one time I did give him my main tip. OK, so, so tip number one, this is for everyone. The tip of all tips when it comes to communication on any level is this one sentence that I shared with him. Love your audience a little bit more than yourself. <laughs> there you go. Do you think you took my advice? not sure some of my clients would even go oh one of my legal clients actually I think he was a barrister he was like I'm not sure if I can do that <laughs> I'm not sure if I can love myself I'm not sure if I can stop loving myself first the thing about speaking and this is something that I worked out is that the, the, the presenters that are successful with their audience they're not always loved but they cater for their audience. So this is where people go wrong quite often in boardrooms. It, it's all communication is about the person on the receiving end. It's not about you. OK, so actually the process of getting ready for your board for your meeting. And when I'm when I'm helping leaders get their speeches, you know, the big roadmap to 2021 or whatever it is, the big speech, the career changing moment. And believe you me, I've helped quite a few people with their career changing moment town hall as in the whole company and they're going to go on a tour nowadays it's going to be on zoom or teams or webex so you can they might be speaking to a thousand people but the the, the first step the biggest tip there is what does your audience need not necessarily what they want what do they need? And as a BBC producer, when we're sitting there talking about the show, what does the audience need? What does it need? Does it need the stats about COVID? Does it need to know about, you know, the royal family? <laughs> what do we need? Is it a need to know um, topic? Now, quite often people have already got a preconceived idea of what they want to say and people are worried and I used to be worried like what am what are people going to think of me um what am I going to say um oh I'm I'm nervous what if I go red what if I sound stupid what if I'm not articulate enough you know how am I coming across how am I and and actually that all that energy and all of that process is about me 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 and actually the, the big the biggest tip is forget you for a moment just put you over here to the one side and just think audience 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 I call it the audience audit love the audience and, and loving the audience is also a double whammy because not only are you going to think about what they need you're also going to give them all of your undivided attention and I've got a really good tip actually that I learned from Scylla Black the late great Scylla Black who I did interview once in the late 1990s for Comic Relief and and, and if you've seen any of my clips on YouTube you might have heard this story but talk about loving the audience before you love yourself. Scylla Black actually used to call camera one in her blind date studio, by the way. She used to call camera one, Bobby, 
after her late great husband because Bobby was her love of her life. So second tip. So the first tip is love your audience more than yourself when you're prepping. But the second big tip on the same theme is get that camera when you're on a Zoom call or Teams or WebEx or whatever, blue jeans, get that camera lens and treat it like you love it. You love the camera, okay? And that's a really good tip. And that's where people are going wrong in boardrooms. Have you noticed? Yeah. <laughs> wow, they are such fabulous, fabulous tips, Asta. And I, what I particularly love, I have to say, is this, you have this amazing energy and empathy when you speak and I often say to chief execs and blue chip organizations why do we not see enough empathy in the boardroom I think on the subject of International Women's Day and the fact that we are talking a lot about gender equality as well having this emotional empathy and the love that you talk about so passionately really does make a significant difference to ultimately building those long-term sustainable and influential relationships. I'm sure having, and I was having a little look at some of the things that you've done, that you've interviewed over is it nearly 5,000 celebrities since starting out as a radio reporter over two decades ago. I wondered how, how have you really, um, when you mentioned Cilla Black and you, know, you mentioned you know, Boris Johnson and some of these incredibly well-known household names, how have you observed them in order to translate that success and that personality into really becoming known as a personality in the boardroom? So it's really interesting. I mean, what I realized having worked with so many different people, first of all, celebrities happen to be a little bit famous. They're people and everyone is interesting and everybody's got a personality type and everybody's got charisma, maybe some more than others. <laughs> but for me, people are fascinating and famous people actually aren't any more interesting when you think about it. They're still flesh and blood. They've still got a sense of humor. And what, what I've found, though, is that there are two types of speaker. You either have the kind of planarina type who likes to stick to their script or you have the wing it wonder type. So if we go back to Boris Johnson, for example, guess what type he is? <laughs> He's clearly a wing it wonder. Whereas Theresa May, for example, when she was prime minister, she had come in and well, there's one time I was actually producing Vanessa Feltz on the radio and, Ther and Theresa May came in and Vanessa, and we, we said, oh, we've got to have to ask her about her shoes because she was famous for her kitten heels. So we said something, Vanessa asked her, oh, so what, are you wearing your kitten heels today? And, and Theresa May said, I haven't come in here to talk about fashion. I've come in here to talk about policies. And it was like, gosh, she just wouldn't budge. And so um, we, what we can learn from that is that everyone's a different type and it's about using your type. When it comes to celebrities, quite often when you meet them in real life, like John Bon Jovi, for example, I don't know why I picked him out. He's so quiet. He's really shy. Harry Hill, the comedian, 
Um, I had to look after him once when I was working at Virgin Radio and he's really quiet, quite shy when you meet him. A lot of big, big personalities. I've interviewed Madonna. She was just in a mood. I think she just hates press and she was not an outgoing, warm person. She was icy cold and really uncomfortable in front of the journalists. But then you had somebody like, for example, Danny DeVito, He's really outgoing, huge extrovert. He's tiny. He's much smaller than you think. And yet when he walks in the room, he makes you feel special. He's, hi, looking good. Are you two dating? You know, and he's like, really? like, Oh, love that jacket. Oh, you're rocking those headphones. <laughs> you know, and he's completely, you know, spark, sparking and he's, he's magical. Um, his personality lights up the room. However, what I find quite often when I'm helping people with speaking, quite often introverts and quite thoughtful people, they can really come to life in front of an audience. Quite often they don't struggle as much as extroverts when it comes to public speaking. And which, which brings me on to my book about public speaking, Goodbye Glossophobia, Banish Your Fear of Public Speaking. You know, the reason why I didn't speak myself was because I really struggled. I had glossophobia. I used to sweat, come out in a rash. I was petrified of standing in front of an audience. There were so many, I, I was the classic textbook glossophobic. And what I realized was that when I was helping a lot of CEOs and a lot of senior people, quite often the, the charismatic you know, the loud, charismatic people were really struggling when it when it came to public speaking, particularly women. I found that there was women did not want to put themselves in front of that audience. And I found it was a real common, a really common theme. Um, and I think there's a, some sort of feeling of you feel like a lamb to the slaughter or you feel naked or just really vulnerable on a stage with all the eyes on you, particularly if you're outnumbered and you're, you're a, a woman working in a male-dominated workplace, you feel as if they're almost undressing you with their eyes. Maybe they are. <laughs> but what I found, oh, by the way, never imagine your audience is naked. It's just very distracting. <laughs> it won't help you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so why do people always say that? It's uh, it's the age-old advice, isn't it? But it is. Yeah. It's time to do things a new way. I just love the way that you call glossophobia or you're a glossophobic. Yes. I absolutely <laughs> was a textbook glossophobic, as, as you say. I remember very, very vividly being being at school and bursting into tears in front of everyone when trying to give a speech. And there was just that, that sick feeling and that cold sweat that you so well described a moment ago that would come back to me every single time I went to go and speak. Yet that glossophobic turned into someone who is able to listen and empathize as you do so incredibly well. Um, and I was thinking as you were talking and articulating this just wonderful story of how you came to be where you are today is 
the BBC lost out on such a great talent in front of the screen <laughs> because wow, are you having your moment right now? It's just brilliant, just brilliant. Well, first of all, I just want to say snap, 1978. I'm probably older than you. I was age six in my classroom in Ealing in London and Mrs. Baldock asked me to stand and read aloud. I opened the book and the words didn't make sense. It was like gobbledygook. I could not read those words and I, not one word came out of my mouth. And then I panicked, you know, I was panicking. So I'd probably look down the page and then some random word just came out and I don't think I said the right word. And, I, and so, it, so I think she thought I couldn't read. And I thought I couldn't read, but but actually it was glossophobia. But I didn't know what that was at the time. So I branded myself, you know, I can't read. I certainly can't read aloud. Guess what? I, I speak for a living now, right? I still can't read aloud. I'm terrible. I'm terrible at reading aloud. But you're absolutely, I, I was absolutely, you know, at school. It started at school, terrified. And I think whenever when I, I did drama, but I always would be the director or I would I've always been involved in drama, but I've nearly always opted to not have to perform myself. It's only the reason why I do it now is because I was asked to speak as, as soon as I started doing small groups and helping people within a couple of weeks. It was can you speak at this event? And I thought. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to stand up and speak. I'm going to have to do it. And I tell you what, if you are afraid of speaking up or standing up in front of an audience, I've cracked it. I went, I've gone from fear to fabulous, darling. <laughs> no, from feeling the fear to doing it, you know, as Susan Jeffers says, feel the fear and do it anyway. And when you do it again, it's less painful. And when you do it again, you go less red. And when you do it again, you actually realize that you're not a lamb to the slaughter anymore. In fact, your audience might start being frightened of you. <laughs> Esther, I absolutely love the stories that you tell. And you can tell as you speak, you live, you breathe, you sleep this. You just ooze emotional intelligence and energy, which I think ultimately is something that is so, so critical to have, not only in the boardroom environment, but also beyond. And when we talk about women and empathy, you know, once upon a time, I remember that being seen as, oh, don't want to be too emotional, uh, don't want to, um, you know, have too many feelings. It's not business, it's personal. I'd hear that so many times. And I think, hey, but why can't it be personal, really? Um, you know, now is a time for us to be able to really flip the script and turn it on its head. I can't wait already to get a copy of Glossophobia. Uh, it looks fabulous. And I also think that we've learned some brilliant top tips. I mean, I'm learning so, so much just by listening to um, your tremendous energy, um, but also these top tips, loving your audience before you love yourself. Let the camera lens love you, vice versa. <laughs> this is absolutely, this is brilliant. But underlying it all, you know, it makes me think a huge amount about uh, the fact 
that this emotional vulnerability and this realness is so incredibly important. Um, you mentioned their flesh and blood earlier on, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this is me reincarnated in another person, because actually <laughs> it's the flesh and blood and everything that sits below the surface level that is what makes us human beings at the end of the day and people are people are people you know whether it is that we are you know female whether it is that we are ethnic minority or we have a disability or you know we often say look at my ability not my disability or you know we look at um you know those that may um suffer as many of us are doing right now you know with mental health and anxiety and um, you know actually People are people at the end of the day, as you've articulated so beautifully. And I think it's really, you know, it's finding that confidence, it's finding that sparkle, whether you're an introvert or whether you are an extrovert and actually seeing those real differences, those diversities as absolute opportunities uh, to really, to really, really shine, Esther. Absolutely. And, and you know what? It's, it's just so it's such a pleasure to work with different people. I, I love people. I'm fascinated by people. I love seeing what makes people tick. Quite often when people come across as bombastic or difficult, and in the workplace, you can imagine when I'm helping leaders speak and, and, and I'm helping them with their pitches and their, their speeches, they're really worried about the cynics and the people, the trolls of the audience, the people that are going to drag them down. But this is something I've learned. And, you know, I, I don't I'm not always a success all the time. I have failed, too, as well, many times. But I think what I've learned, and it's a great tip uh, that we can we can think about, is that you're never going to please everybody all of the time. But it's really important. And this is for leaders and this is particularly for women. You know, you can only be yourself. There isn't anyone. There's no point in being anyone else. And as Oscar Wilde said, be yourself because everybody else is already taken <laughs> be yourself and it's very difficult when you've got cynics around you and people that might rip you to shreds as the blondie song goes um, people get paranoid and there's toxic atmospheres but seriously the more that you can be yourself the you know maybe all the audience won't like you but a lot of them will and and they will they'll smell the fact that you're not being yourself, you know, and they won't respect you if you're trying to, to, to be liked too much or trying to be like somebody else. So that is another really, really important tip. Be yourself. And you know what? Be even more yourself, particularly when it gets very formal. That is the time to, to let your you know, go, go get the, those guns out, get your ammunition out, you know, come on, let's see what you've got. You know, what are your core values? What are, what's your USP, your unique selling point? <laughs> Use it. Use all it. You know, if you've got a disability, you know, my goodness, I work, I, I speak at diversity events. I speak at lots of different events. And my, my message is always, what have you got? Okay, if you've got something, uh, uh, you know, if, you, if you're blind or you're deaf, I've spoken at the the deaf, the um, British Deaf Association. I said the thing about deaf people that speak is that, you know, it's like a whole show. You're so active, moving your, your sign language is amazing. <laughs> it's such a joy 
to watch people using sign, for example. You know, it's, it's a great thing. Like celebrate what you are, whatever it is. And you can be really, really good at communicating. Right? It doesn't matter how tall you are, how thin you are, where you're from, what your accent is, what color you are. Right? Just enjoy what you've got and be good at being you. And to hell with the ones that, 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 that don't like it. it. You know, you're never going to please them all. Wow, wow and wow, Esther. You are absolutely phenomenal. I'm, I'm sitting here feeling infused, inspired and everything all rolled into <laughs> one. It is very much about these different diversities that make us unique. The USPs for each of our own individual brands. And I mean, I just want to thank you so much for, for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure and an honor having you on the show as I always do at the end of each session is I give a give a brief summary but I'm kind of I'm kind of like where do I start giving a summary of all of the incredible top tips and golden nuggets of wisdom that we've heard today but the the things that really resonate with with me from what you have said are um you know really truly being yourself and being proud of who you are, whether you are quiet, you say, whether you are blind, whether you are um, deaf, whether you have a disability or something different that makes you unique, utilize that as a superpower. I, when you're talking about the Oscar Wilde quote as well, it made me think <laughs> how wonderful. Um, the public is wonderfully tolerant, as Oscar once said. It forgives everything except genius. I thought, <laughs> wow, that is that is that is just you. That is you in a nutshell. And I would encourage everyone as well to to make sure you check out Esther's book it's coming out soon uh, goodbye glossophobia i'll be getting my copy um, <laughs> as soon as it arrives in the post uh, there's also the audio book as well that you can check out goodbye glossophobia um, as well as esther's website you can visit esther at estherstanhope.com um, and look at how you can join some of the brilliant initiatives she has going on, in particular for, for women leaders uh, as well, who really want to go from, um, you know, perhaps not liking or loving themselves, frankly, as much as they should be doing. Speak Like a She-Boss, the 21-day challenge is coming up, so you can click to register interest uh, on Esther's website. I definitely will be doing that myself as soon as we come off air today because I feel incredibly excited about what is next. And I think this is a time, this is a momentous time now for change, not only with International Women's Day afoot, but also the rich diversities in the world in which we live and how those different unique people really are being recognized for their strengths, not only in the boardroom, but in business and in wider society. So uh, Esther, I thank you ever so much for being here indeed today. And that is my dog in the background who somehow <laughs> escaped into, <laughs> into so the room. Um, so hopefully she doesn't make too much noise, um, but it's been a thank delight. You. Thank you. Thank you ever so much. Thank you so much. And you are an inspiration. And it's just such a breath of fresh air when you meet like minded people. And, and we we're all if we all go on this mission to empower people, to empower men and women from all backgrounds, that's what we're doing. And so my final thought is go on.
go on, feel the fear and do it anyway. Brilliant book. Absolutely brilliant <laughs> book. Esther, thank you very much. My name is Leila Mackenzie-Dellis um, and you've been listening to the Diverse and Inclusive Leaders podcast show. We're with you every week. You've been listening to the joy that is Esther Stanhope um, and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. If you've missed anything, don't worry because I'll be in the show notes at the end of today's show. Take care and see you again very soon. <laughs>